Welcome to the Three to Ten Project. Two white, cisgendered males who've been friends for over 25 years, exploring race, gender, and education by talking through the intersection of our experiences with what we're reading, listening to, and thinking about. And most importantly, considering how to show up moving forward. It's a long-term commitment, three to 10 years of anti-racist culture building. I'm Mark. I'm Reed. Just a quick note on the name for this podcast. Three to 10 Project has been borrowed from Resma Menicum. You can learn more about this idea and about Resma at the link shared in the podcast description. Let's get to it. Yep, and that's Mark's footsteps. Turns out he is a bit more coherent when he is running. Okay, Mark, we've been leading up, we've been teasing for for months about the 100K day, and it is finally here. It's here, and I'm almost in the middle. Uh, officially 23.45 miles in. So uh, running right now from my sister's house to my house, which will basically bring me to halfway. And then, you know, as we say, the real race begins, you know, in the second half. But uh, so far, how are you feeling? I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. Right now, I feel good, actually. Uh, nothing is hurting at all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't feel very, I, you know, I can begin, I'm beginning to feel fatigued, but nothing too much. What's interesting is, uh, so heart rate drift is the term used to describe the very real phenomena that your heart rate will start to go up at the same pace as you go through a long run. So, you know, the same pace now is requiring more effort than it did, you know, a couple hours ago. And so um, I'm noticing that, and that'll probably just keep going as we go but for right now i'm trying to keep my heart rate pretty low so taking it easy yeah i'm i'm glad to be joining you sort of about a third way through here and and i'm hoping to check back in with you we can finish our conversation a little bit later when you're close to the close to the end uh which will be a good check-in so that's our that's our plan for today a little two stager yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how coherent I am later on and relative to what I am now. All right. <laughs> Is there anything in particular you want to talk about? Maybe just starting with a little update from our last conversation um, about the work issue you were kind of uh, working through and whether there's anything to know about that. So a couple things, 
as a follow-up. First of all, I, I've been really thankful. I've been thinking a lot, actually, just about the power of our conversation in allowing me to do deeper thinking ab about that situation uh, where, you know, I was sort of thinking through how I'm uh, planning and running events that have a variety of different people on them, many of whom I don't know, and the impact especially of people of color that might be joining those. So our conversation, I had thought about it a lot before our conversation, obviously, but it showed me the power of processing verbally, talking with someone, and talking with someone who's not in the organization. Um, yeah. We, I had a number of follow-ups with different pockets of people that I work with, which I feel have been really important as we think about how we're organizing things moving forward. Uh, one example is, I think we have a, in general, now a, a more shared commitment, always considering having multiracial pairings uh, leading and facilitating these kinds of events when possible, um, or when, I mean, anything's possible, but, but when when um, it sort of makes sense for everyone involved. You know, we don't have uh, a lot of people of color on staff, but they are, you know, we all are, but, but, but they are vocally um, committed to working to, to make all these experiences good for, for all our participants. So I think that's one thing I hadn't thought about as much. And I also think that um, it's, it's allowed on the team I'm on some good conversations about making sure we're not working from this this white frame. I mean, I would call it like this white frame. Yeah. I was from it. Subconsciously, when I thought about the audience, I was thinking about white people. And, and, and so consciously, we didn't have the conversation um, about who the audience was and what the impact would be. So I think now we will. I think now, sure. and we've already yeah. doing it. As we're planning other events, we're going to be like, okay, right. let's think about who's going to be on this. So I, I feel good about that. One other thing, I did email the, um, I talked to the, the woman that I co-designed um, the, the, the session with, uh, Black woman, and we talked through a little bit about some of the unintended consequences. Um, she didn't think there was a big problem with the design of the session, but that sort of how we framed it and moved forward probably could have been solved. So I feel good about, you know, that's interesting. And then I did email the man who spoke up during the podcast uh, about um, over a week ago, and I have not heard back. So that is, but I did, I did email him using some of the language you and I talked about, or, uh, saying I'd be happy to talk if he was interested. I didn't expect that, you know, certainly wasn't his responsibility or need to do that. And I think I need to be just fine with not hearing back from him, right? Which may be the case, but I did, I did do that. So that's my thought. Nice. Okay, that sounds good. I'm, you know, I would love to continue the dialogue on this as we go in terms of, you know, when you plan the next one and so on, like what approaches you might be taking, like what, you know, the continual learning that you do and what you learn and what you try out. 
Well, I will, I will bring back, especially if other exciting and unexpected things happen. <laughs> I'll be coming well, back even, to I mean, <laughs> Well, whatever. I think it's more like just as you're going through planning processes in a different way with yeah. a different mindset, you know, what is, does that lead to any changes or what changes does it lead to um, would be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good. Well, I have something to share. I am, you know, feeling super appreciative of the support that I'm able to access the resources I'm able to access in my current position um, and as executive director of this nonprofit, Mindfulness Director Initiative. Um, one of our consultants. Um, her name is Sharice, that uh, is helping us with what I'll call justice work within the organization, is also doing some work with me personally on uh, some goal setting for me, for me personally. And uh, I've done a little work with her now, and I would like to share a little bit and kind of tie it so a little bit of what you brought up, I think there's a, a link to what you just shared. So does that make sense? How does that sound? That sounds great. I'm curious. Yeah. So first, I just think it's just interesting to note that one of the reasons that I wound up doing this was I have really just one employee technically that I'm managing, although I wouldn't call it really managing, um, at the organization. And I recently went through a goal setting process with him. And, you know, I think very genuinely and authentically, he asked kind of like, well, what are your goals? And what does this look like for you? And I was like, yeah, probably should be doing this for myself as well. So that got me thinking. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about racial justice. I think about a lot about how to show up differently in this organization than I have in the past. And so I chose to look at the white supremacy culture characteristics. I think that's what they're called. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. Well, there's probably a a few different lists, which may not all be the same, but yes, it, it, that's been something we've done within our organization. That's led to some conversations, um, as well as in a uh, this other white male affinity group that I'm in. We've looked at a, a list about those things. Yeah. So I went to that list, and what I thought was really interesting about that list is after it explains each characteristic of white supremacy culture, it says, here are the antidotes to that, mm. right? Kind of list, this is what you could do. So what I did is I kind of went through, I was like, this list is long. I'm not going to, it wouldn't make sense to have all of these as goals right away. But what if I kind of, I, I cold the list a little, look through it, try to get a sense of what made most, what seemed most important to me 
and went through the antidotes and kind of pulled out one or two antidotes from several of the characteristics and said, okay, these are my goals. So I think we need to back up a little bit. I actually just Googled it and the, the list I came up with, which might be the exact one you're working from, is on the Showing Up for Racial Justice website. But I think we should back up for a second and maybe talk about what we even mean by by the the these cultural characteristics. I mean, I'm looking at them here. Do you remember a few of the no. characteristics? Uh, I don't. I remember more here? like the antidotes. I picked ones that had to do with starting with community when making plans mm-hmm. and make, you know. Like not coming in and saying, I know what's best. So just here's the plan, people. Mm. Um, I just want to read a few of these. Because some people may be unfamiliar, yeah. just to give a little. So uh, yeah, please. Th- th- this list came from um, back in 2001, and it's been um, moving around a lot. So a few of the characteristics listed here. Perfectionism, sense yeah. of urgency, defensiveness, uh, worship of the written word, which is one that I mm-hmm. think is really interesting, um, either or thinking, uh, fear of open conflict, and my personal favorite, individualism. So those are a few of uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the characteristics. And I, and I know, I want to hear your take on this. I know the first thing that leads to in conversations I've had with other white people is like, wait a minute, sometimes these things are good things. Um, why, why, yep. why are we saying these things are bad things? And I think it's not right to be thinking of these as good or bad, um, yeah. but more as elements of culture. So, Well, and I'll, um, I, I think that is worth maybe a another conversation mm-hmm. at another time to kind of go into more detail. But I think maybe the example as I talk through it is going to make kind of make that clear uh, in some way, like how to view these not as an either or type of thing, but how they can become relevant. So I picked, I think, ones that are a little further down the list. Uh, that have a bit more to do with decision-making and engaging community. I don't know. I don't know them off the top of my head. Do any of those jump out at you? Well, there's uh, objectivity is one of them listed here. Uh, power hoarding. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Yeah, thing. there you go. Power hoarding. <laughs> what else? Fear of open conflict. Um Progress is bigger and more. I think that's about the whole list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I can, uh, next time we talk, look at my list and share. The point is that kind of what I started to think about was, am I, like I can, by personality and culture, be really kind of, aggressive is probably the best word about kind of getting stuff done and moving things along so there's kind of that urgency piece too and 
so mm-hmm. on. And, uh, and without really thinking about what is going on with other people and what's their experience and what's, what's their, what are their desires? What's right for them? So this is where it kind of led to a, I had my first kind of coaching call with Sharice talking through this set of goals. And basically, as soon as I started talking, she shifted the, the conversation a bit. And really, what wound up happening is I surfaced that for me, the big issue is that I have lived a lot of my life, especially professional life, kind of in what we'll call white savior mode. Mm-hmm. And this idea of like, I have, you know, access to capital, not just money, but capital kind of writ large. And I know what's best. So, and I am going to help others that need help, especially black and brown folks, people, poor people, to get these things. Here I come as the white savior. So, um, what Cherise had me do was like, was reflect on when did that happen? When did that start for me? What, like, kind of unpack it? And so, so I started reflecting, and really, I mean, and this connects to you indirectly, uh, my, I think my whole experience around white savior mindset really developed when I started Teach for America. So 22 years old, right out of college, started teaching in Patterson, New Jersey, and that was the first time I had done anything that we might call social action or activism. Really, I had a lot of thoughts before that, but I hadn't really done anything. And to me, Teach for America was a way, kind of a teaching in that space was a form of social action. And even that mindset, now that I think about it and say it out loud, is kind of that white savior mentality. Um, So I feel like the three years right out of college, so the first two years, Teach for America and Patterson, and then my first year teaching at KIPP, in the South Bronx, I increasingly kind of formed in a uh, framework of, I, like, I usually call kind of like assimilationist thinking. Like, I have, I know the way to get these things that you, other people, should want. And let me show you how. And I think that was so flawed in in so many ways. And I actually think after those three years, I actually began began a process of moving away from that thinking over the next 20 years. But those three years were very strong in forming some ideas. Um, And so... We could talk about the the 17 years after 
maybe at another time. I think maybe it's more important to talk about. For today, kind of this white savior thing. I really, you know, like, I, I think this work of like unpacking this idea of where did I get this, this kind of mindset of being a, a white savior? Of course, I didn't say that to myself at the time. But looking back, I think that's very much what it was. And so there's a couple kind of interesting things here. I think this is most kind of in, important at this moment that looking back, and you, you and I have talked about this a lot, in, is the idea that Teach for America had a very, I'm going to call it kind of capitalist and assimilationist mindset built into it. I think I, I'll speak for myself, really brought that mindset into the classroom, into the school, into the school design work I was doing, and so on. And I think, in retrospect, you know, that was really faulty thinking. And certainly not in collaboration with the community that I was working within which I really came from outside of. So, fast forward now, you know, 20 years, more than 20, and I'm starting another organization, doing work in schools, and wanting to be much more aware of not putting my own agenda into communities that, that they're not part of the collaboration and the thinking of what we're doing. And what was interesting, now Sharice has been involved in the mindfulness movement for a long time, much longer than me, much more intensely than me, really said, said something really interesting, that the mindfulness movement is kind of in that same place where it's kind of where Teach for America was where it believes it knows best. You know, there's like one way to do it, let's say. And it's kind of a white way to do it. There's kind of like a white culture and white supremacy culture characteristics embedded in the mindfulness movement in the West. And that I really want to be careful not to replicate that. So let me pause there. Also, it's going to get a little loud where I am and see what you think about that. Well, first of all, the idea that Teach for America and that just those early years of teaching really started to frame um, the way you thought about, you know, working with students, working in uh, different communities. I mean, I completely identify with that. I think the same thing happens with me. And, and I think, I don't know if it, that, that framework went deeper with me, but I think it actually took me, uh, I think I started to move away from it perhaps slower than, than you did. <laughs> um, and I remember, I remember those, the, the, the left turn you took after working at, at KIPP, um, and I was trying to kind of understand that, and it's taken me years to kind of um, 
sort of understand that and, 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 and come along in some of those same directions. So that's, and, and then the issue about mindfulness, I mean, I'm just very curious. Again, we brought this up a while ago, like when I was listening to the Dan Harris book and he brings up, um, you know, mindfulness as, as, as being led by, or per perceived as uh, kind of a white, even a white woman sort of thing. And in the, that conversation with, uh, Resma Medicum that we listened to, he sort of references that and kind of jokes about it. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about mindfulness, but I, that is an area that I, I want to continue to understand too, because you don't want to trade one framework for a, the, another framework that's yeah. the same, just, just couched differently because you're breathing during it or yeah. something. I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly... It. And so I feel like I'm very excited in this moment and also a little wary, meaning like, gosh, I feel like I've evolved a lot and really more aware, more different mindsets, different paradigms, and different resources. At the same time, I'm like, wow, so slippery the slope here so easy to just do the same exact thing I, I did before. Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to do this and, and I'll leave it with this that my homework is to be thinking about how that white savior mindset might actually be helpful in some ways. Where are there positives to it? Where, where's, where are the positives? And where are the detriments? Where are the negatives? Where are the, the slippery spots? Like not to look at it as black and white, uh, but really look at it as like there's, there might be some value in who I am and what I, you know, my own experiences as a white person. Um, and not just as a white person, as a, you know, cisgendered white uh, male, heterosexual in 2020, you know, is affluent as well, like all those things. So um, not to just say like my identities can't be also be an asset, but also really being aware of like where I could get in trouble quickly. So I'm excited for that work. What do you think about that? I'm excited to go along uh, in, in, you know, I just try to ride your coattails, Mark. Uh, I bring you <laughs> insights and I'll try to, to do what I can. I think, you know, I, you talking about doing personal goal setting relating to work, um, it just makes me think, I mean, just like, like even the, the value or purpose of doing goal setting, sometimes I get, on the, sometimes I'm excited about that idea. Sometimes I think it's actually overblown and doesn't actually lead to change. Um, but, uh, but, which is why I think some kind of systems like this, conversations, like having homework that you're accountable for, because maybe I'll ask, hey, how's that thinking going? That to me seems to be where growth has a chance of happening. Uh, because individually, I, I you just can't, you can't do it individually, I don't think. So um, individualism, that's a white culture, white supremacist culture characteristic. Uh, we need to move away from that. <laughs> interconnectedness, interdependence is yeah. where we need to be moving to. So, 
Uh, on that note, real quick, there's a little more logistical or, you know, uh, more in the frame of maybe structures and systems to support people within organizations. What, when I build excuse me, goals with the individuals I work with, we take those goals and these kind of connected action steps or whatever and put them as a recurring item in the like weekly meetings we have. Like it sits there as an item to reflect on each week. Like, so how's it going? What was hard? What's been going well? What's been challenging about these specific goals? Uh, so, you know, that idea of kind of constantly revisiting them personally and in, with others, I think is super important. I agree. And I'm really thankful that I can do that with you and with other people in my organization. It's so helpful. Yeah. So what mile are you at right, right now? Oh, yeah. So I think we should mark this. I just ran a little more than a, a marathon. Um, so I'm at 26.7. So nice. I've completed uh, at least one marathon so far. I have. I am back on... Now, I probably am a little further away from home than I thought I would be, but it's okay. I'll make it not far. I'm running by a high school. So, yeah, I think maybe we should make it a wrap for now. Touch base later today. Yeah, check in maybe somewhere around, I don't know, it might be maybe around mile 55 or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully sounds you'll be good. sounding just as crisp. We'll see how, how coherent and crisp you are. But you're sounding good now. And and I am I am with you psychically. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not with you physically. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. This has been awesome. Uh, yeah, talk to you later. Okay, sounds good. Run safe. Bye. All right. Okay, I I intend to run. Oh Jesus! I intend to run the entire time we are talking. Okay. So we might that have to keep it very short. I don't keep know. Keep it very short. I got it. So I no, I know. Whatever. I can. When I'm distracted, I definitely do better. So okay. yeah. So so just for for context, I mean, when we talked at about 11:30 this morning, you had just. Yeah. Finished, you just finished a marathon at that point, okay? So okay. 26 miles. It's now seven hours later, and you're still running, mm -hmm. which is amazing. So what mile are you at, and how far do you have to go? 57.64. Um, so less than, you know, less about four and a half miles, exactly. Ugh. And and it's okay. So give me give me a status update. How are you feeling? And who's with so you? So we're like you're not alone. I'm with my my friend Jim, who is also the uh, CFO for uh, Mindfulness Director Initiative. We should just say that. Oh. Um, and uh, 
he's you know he's uh he's an accountant and does that as for small businesses so we can make a plug for jim he he is <laughs> he is running his first ultra by doing 50k with me so he picked me up at the beginning of the second half mm. and he has mm. done the entire thing in fact i think he's going to wind up doing more than even that my dad is here on a bike <laughs> with these guys have the flashlights we're on a pretty rural road in um rentham going towards rhode island we'll actually probably get close to if not run into rhode island a little bit and then you know have a COVID test when we come back <laughs> into massachusetts uh and uh there is there's now a car it is there are no lights on this street none um and yeah so we're out here trying to be seen by cars which we are right now good there's not a lot of cars where we are right now um and then a group of folks who Jim runs with frequently and I've run with several times um all joined for about two laps so I've been doing eight mile laps from my house and they joined for about two right Jim two the middle two laps and actually I had one of my clients was really you know someone I've gotten to know she's a senior in high school that is the captain of her cross-country team and she did a loop with us an eight-mile loop and she's actually done mindful sports performance enhancement with me and a bunch of other kids a bunch of times and and Sam came out my son Sam for three miles even a little longer um he was the speed demon so I barely saw him while we were doing it <laughs> and uh and then apparently Caleb for the listeners out there my older son who had a soccer game today and says his back hurts and so on is coming for like the last mile um <laughs> i think pretty much since i don't know i think it it was either mile 30 or 38 it's a blur i rested i think it was halfway i got up came out to run and my knee hurt so it was interesting i didn't really hurt before but then i rested for about 10 minutes with my feet up and i'm not sure that had any made any difference but the it's like the tendon over the knee so that has you know not felt great and at times i've been able to kind of ignore it and at times not so um yeah i've kind of run through that a bit but of course as We've gone longer in ultras. They say, start slow, get slower. And that's <laughs> what I'm doing. So, you know, now I'm averaging a 13.20 pace, even, you know, with stops. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of my top end goal was 13.30, not to go slower than that. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like 
I'll be very close to that, maybe just a tad slower. We'll see how much I have to walk. Um, so I've been kind of running about, I don't know, three quarters of a mile, walking a quarter of a mile, that type of thing. So yeah, that's the story. Other than that, I feel good. And as we yeah. talk right now, is is this the longest you've ever run continuously? Yes. I ran just over 50 miles. I, I'd done two 50-mile ultras. One of them was just over 50. So, yes, definitely well, going farther. Congratulations and, you know, I'm lucky. on that. Thank you. I feel like I no way I would have done this without the support I had and the weather. The weather has been just phenomenal. I can't imagine doing this yesterday when it was raining or two years ago when I did this and it was like, you know, this time of night it was like 20 degrees. Um, so, you know, I'm able, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been helpful. Well, um, to that point yeah. about, about the support, right? We're, we're, individualism is not the way to go. We yeah. have to work together. That's right. So that's what we touched on that's that right. earlier. And it's still, it's, it's, yeah. it's showing true right now. So here's <laughs> the thing, I, here's the thing I want to ask you, because Chase, when Chase, my son asked me earlier, like, why is Mark doing this? Um, yeah. And he also was convinced that perhaps this is the longest anyone's ever run. So no, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> um, I told him I thought people had run further, but he, he was willing to give you the benefit of the doubt on that. <laughs> so he, he uh, was great. asking why, but as I thought about it and coming off of even what we were talking about earlier about your goal setting, I think the interesting question is not why you did this, but what this should tell us about you. So what am I supposed to make of Mark Waxman the fact that you are out running a hundred K today. What does that tell me about? You? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. How about you start the answer to that question? And then I'll, maybe that'll trip something in me. Well, I, do you have any thoughts? I have I, maybe, I mean, one thought is that it is yet another thing you just want to push yourself to see if you can do it, right? It's a mm -hmm. challenge yep. that is not a slam dunk. It is, uh, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's not unattainable. I think you went into this very confident, but it's a significant commitment and challenge. And you wanted to push yourself to do the next hard thing. And in running, I think this was the next hard thing. And I think that what, what that says about you maybe is, you know, that you want to continue to grow and get better at whatever you're doing. And one thing you do seriously and think about a lot is, is running. So that's one idea. Yeah. I think that's on point. I mean, so a little more. So first, I mean, I feel like I really set out to do this two years ago. And I think like maybe why did I do it then? I, I had the space and time to do it. I hadn't done it. I'd done these 50 mile ultras. So I knew I could do that. And I was curious, kind of like, this is kind of the next bar. 
this idea of 100K. And I didn't do that. You know, I didn't, I made it 45 miles. And that was, that felt fine at the time. Like I wasn't mad, but I also didn't accomplish what I set out to do. And then not long after that, I got hurt. You know, I had this kind of worst injury of my life of sports injury of, you know, slight tear of my Achilles tendon. And that took a long time to come back from like well over a year, um, a year since I started real treatment, but longer than that since the time of the injury. And I wanted to, um, I think I was feeling like, so another thing that happened is I started training very differently when I came back from my injury for two reasons. One, I didn't want to get re-injured and I was, I was, I was working back from the injury. So it wasn't, uh, it, uh, it wasn't so I couldn't train the way I had been before anyway. And I stumbled upon, or actually people told me about a way of training that seemed like oh, I could do that. And it really is more about slow, longer running. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. And, and then the pandemic hit. And so there was also this, like, there's no races. So, all right, <laughs> there's, I'm doing this long, slow running anyway. I'm getting better at it. There's no races to train for. That seems like a good time to train correctly for this event, which, yeah. So I know this, maybe this answer like, oh, it's the challenge. And so it's more like this was something I set out to do. I hadn't done it. I had an opportunity to revisit it. Things aligned. And so I did it. I know that's not very compelling, but that's true. I think it's, I'm, I'm intrigued by this idea. If the pandemic hadn't happened, do you think you'd be mm -hmm. doing this run right now? Well, I know I probably would have trained for a fall marathon. And so, no. And the other thing is, when I did the other ultras a long time ago, as well as the one that I didn't complete, I really had trained for marathons and then like piggybacked on that training to train for the ultra. So it wasn't correct training for the ultras really. And so this time I trained much differently, um, including like some much longer mileage weeks and some much longer runs. So, and my headset just said the battery's low. So I, I heard. You. Um, All right. Well, it's 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 an accomplishment. You're gonna have to, you know, we'll 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 end this call before you end the run. But I will. Uh, we'll have to put in the uh, in the finishing moments. I'll have to edit in, uh, you know, the, the the suspense of whether or not you actually made it these last few miles and your finishing time. I can. I can call you at the very end if that helps or text or we can do something. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that question. 
And I would also say, I, I would say one other thing before my battery. I want to give a kind of shout out to the podiatrist that worked with me on my Achilles because he's an ultra runner and a little older and very accomplished runner. And I was like, I think I found a little inspiration from his story and from his accomplishments. And I think, I think I, in meeting him and talking with him was like, all right, this is, this is something that yeah, he inspired. Oh, I'm about to go into Rhode Island. Woo. All right. Corona everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah. So I just want to give a shout out to him about that as well. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go. Uh, it has been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank Always. you so much for giving me something to think about and talk about. Let's see where we are here. So yeah, we wrong? are. Why is this 58.58? So in a little less than half a mile, I'm going to turn around and do the last three miles. And that'll be that. Well yeah. done. I think it's great. You're almost there. I think what it means about you is that you're just a stubborn old bastard, but uh, yeah, right. one foot in front of the other. <laughs> That's congratulations. Right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Right. Bye. Huge thanks for listening to the 3 to 10 Project. Episode 9, 100K. Let's acknowledge that Mark did finish his 100-kilometer run. That's over 62 miles in 13 hours, 53 minutes, and 40 seconds. Pretty good. I certainly wouldn't have run it faster. Well done, Mark. We're proud of you. And you still managed to do some deep thinking along the way. Pretty impressive. We hope you are celebrating the accomplishments, big and small, in your own life. And as always, thanks to Random Chiz for our theme music.